for this afternoon. I thought we'd have questions. But I thought I'd start with something that came up in the group this morning. A piece kind of following on from this morning's reflections about noticing the body-mind relationships and differences. And this is, a, this is a question of when we notice that there's some kind of reactivity in the mind, something where we're not liking something or wanting to keep something or get something, to um, and, and be curious about what it is we're actually reacting to. Because more often than not, what we think we're reacting to is not really what the mind is reacting to. And so um, the example that came up in the group, you know, and just, just to say too that, again, this isn't something to do, but more um, that as, we, as, our, as our mindfulness gets more continuous, it starts to reveal, it can start to reveal um, just exactly how patterns are unfolding. And yet, if we have the idea or, or, or have the sense, it's like, our, it's like whatever our agenda is in our mind has a huge impact on how we're looking at things and how we're seeing things. And so uh, if if in our minds we're kind of taking things at face value, we're, we may not see some of the undercurrents and, and subtler connections. And so I offer this in that spirit that um, you know, not as something to really try to do or to look for, but that it may make you curious in your own experience about, wow, what is actually going on? And that may uh, allow something new to be seen. You know, we never know when we're, when we're exploring our experience and um, not uh, aware of underlying patterns. It's like we don't know what we're looking for. And trying to find what we're not looking for, you know, I mean, trying to find what we don't know is kind of challenging. You know? so, so it's more like just settle back. Maybe there's something here that I haven't seen. I've been using that kind of reflection. And so the, the way there, there, there was an example that came up in the group um, that I thought I'd share, and then a couple other examples that I thought of this afternoon from, from my own practice um, it, it, with this same kind of pattern. And so, um, you know, the, the, so reactivity, we may be reacting to something like pain, for example, you know, there's discomfort in the body and there's, you know, kind of an obvious aversion. Well, that's no big surprise. It's like, yeah, of course there's aversion when there's discomfort in the body. But what's really going on there? You know, what, what, what is the reaction actually to? Is the reaction actually to the discomfort? Or is there some other um, idea going on in the mind? Some other um, meaning making about that discomfort. It might, it might be, um, oh, this means that I'm getting sick, or oh, this means that um, well, you know, we are, we're all, we, we all, uh, th- this group in particular is a lot of, of the of the age of getting older and having the bodies start to decay. And, and you know, that, that, that meaning of, oh, this is about aging. And what does that mean? You know, oh, aging and aging implies death. And, you know, this is a big thing, you know. It's, and so is, is the reactivity to the discomfort simply about discomfort or it, does it include reactivity or responses to 
our relationship to illness or aging or death. So this is, that's one, that's one thing, you know, it's like, you know, it's just, just to the possibility of our reactivity not being just on the surface what we think it, it is related to. So a couple other examples. Um, one, uh, one, uh, one came up too, I just thought this is, this is just related to the thing I talked about this morning about, you know, the cookie and wanting another cookie. And this is just constructed in my mind. Nobody talked about this one. But, um, you know, I can Im- envision for myself what happens around cookie. You know, it's like cookie. There's a cookie and it's pleasant. And, and that pleasantness, the pleasantness in the mouth, well, there's some desire for that, but it's it's rarely as simple as pleasantness in the mouth, pleasantness in on the tongue, resulting in wanting another cookie. It may have to do more with, you're sitting there, you're eating this cookie, and there's an idea that forms in your mind of having a second cookie will make this last longer. I'll get more pleasure if I have a second cookie. And so, again, the wanting is not necessarily responding directly to the actual experience of pleasant on the tongue, but more related to an idea or a concept. Actually, Sayadaw Utejaniya points out that whenever greed or aversion is acting in the mind, greed, that greed or aversion is um, relating to concepts and ideas, not to reality. And so it's often interesting to check in or see, you know, what, what concept is mediating this aversion or this greed? So another example, this one from my own practice, some years ago on a long retreat at IMS, hearing the Dharma talks, hearing about various insights, and hearing the teachers describe them as like, at least I got the idea that was like really, really cool to have some of these insights, and particularly some of the insights into impermanence. And I so wanted to have these insights. I remember doing walking meditation and just, I was miserable because I so wanted to have these insights. So this was, this is, this is not so much about distinguishing between body and mind, but just an idea. There was that, I was miserable because I wanted to have this insight and I wasn't, I wasn't having it. So the wanting was there, but I thought the wanting was about the insight itself. But actually, you know, in retrospect, well, what happened? What, what unfolded was that I just watched the wanting. And this is really the practice. When we see some kind of reactivity, we just watch. We get curious about what's going on here. What is this wanting about? How does it come about? And so watching that, just exploring that, here's the wanting, there's the wanting, and then feeling the surges of the wanting. Ah, I really want to have this insight. At one point, what I saw in my mind, just as one of those surges happened, was an image of myself telling the teacher that I had had this insight. And, you know, in this image, we were like celebrating and laughing, and it was... (laughs) 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 Um, And so what I realized was, I. I didn't know what I wanted. I mean, I didn't know what the insight even was really beyond what somebody else had described. But what I really wanted was to tell somebody that I'd had the insight. And so, you know, seeing that, it just, it made me laugh. You know, it's like, what I'm wanting is an idea of telling somebody something. You know, it has no bearing really on what I thought it was that I wanted. And much of the time, our reactivity is kind of like this. We want something, we want to get rid of something. It's not really so much about necessarily the thing we think we want or want to get rid of. 
What we want is a construct of the mind, very often, maybe even always. Things we want, things we want to get rid of, are constructs of the mind. Seeing that is very freeing when we see not only is the wanting something that is mind-created, but the thing that we want is mind-created. The times that has been seen in my own experience, the wanting tends to just fall apart. So this kind of seeing the conditionality and, and understanding how reactivity works it comes about through just witnessing. Not something we do, but it's there to be seen if we are curious, available for it. We can sometimes bring in questions to support investigation. I've talked a little bit about, you know, the, the, am I aware? What am I aware of? What's my attitude? Um, it really is a kind of a personal thing whether questions work for you for investigation. But I'll describe how it might work. And again, it's not a trying to find an answer. But uh, so for this kind of a situation, uh, a question you might drop in if you're having particularly uh, a strong or recurring reactivity, you might, you know, just, just drop in the question, how does this reactivity come about? Not having any, like, preconceived ideas or trying to at least set aside your preconceived ideas about how the reactivity comes about. How does this reactivity come about? So dropping that question in, and again, it's just like, drop it in and then just watch. Just keep seeing, just keep noticing what you're noticing. No need to look for anything different, no need to try to find anything different. When I first heard this kind of question from Sayadaw, I didn't quite understand how it worked when he said, you know, well, don't go looking for it, just put the question in your mind. What it seems to do, though, is it just like, it... it arouses the curious part of the mind. And the mind may, again, it's, it's like an invitation. Are you, is, are you willing to show me, mind, something about this reactivity? So it's, uh, it, it's, it's an invitation for a, a direction of the investigation but not a demand. And so you can just drop that question in and then basically forget about it. Just drop the question in and then just keep noticing what you notice. And what I've seen, not always, and definitely whenever, when I drop a question in like this, I don't know, some, some percentage of the time, I can't even give you a number, but you know, some percentage of the time, within a few moments, I'll see something different that's related to the question. Another percentage of the time, I don't notice anything. You know, it's not, it's not that you necessarily get any, and just, if you don't see anything different, just keep, carry on, you know. Just keep, keep noticing what you're noticing. So, open to the floor. Questions, yeah.
I realized I was feeling very good, very energetic. So I decided I'd walk until I didn't feel like walking anymore. Well, it was time. <clears throat> um, but I knew I'd be kind of aimless, so I gave myself a project, uh, which I don't think is important to do while I was walking, uh, looking at things, certain things. And I noticed I could, I could stay um, mindful, aware of what my mind was doing, especially related to this project I gave myself. But at the same time, the thing I noticed is actually something related to what you're, you've been saying here just now. There was an undercurrent of thoughts, just endless. Um, some I caught, and some just went by, and some I noticed and didn't know how to pay attention to them. And if I stop and think about them, I just get confused. Uh, so I ignored them, except, uh, and I continued with this project, um, uh, walking and noticing how I was feeling and notice the, how energetic I was. Um, and then some, there was somebody uh, doing something and a lot of aversion arose. Um, but it wasn't strong and it dissipated. So there were just, uh, I guess the, the question is about all these thoughts running through. Um, we're paying attention to our minds, but my mind's absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, um, it's hard to pay attention to. <laughs> Where am I looking? What am I looking at when I uh, describe what I think? So, so what, what you describe, so just to, uh, just to, just to say, the, uh, summarize what what you said. Um, um, so doing the walking and feeling the energy, feeling good, gave yourself a project. But while you were present in that whole thing, you noticed that basically there was this nonstop current of thought. I'm curious about how to be with that, how to pay attention to it. What is it, perhaps? Um, so uh, this, I think what you've run into here is um, what Saida Utejaniya calls the background chatter. Um, it's, a form, it's a form of thought, and it's, it's not something you can turn off, generally. It's not conscious thinking, as far as what I'm hearing, you know, the, the way that I'm hearing what you're saying, um, the experience that I've had is that at certain points in my meditation, and it tends to happen as the mindfulness gets more continuous and can see things at a subtler level. Essentially, we are walking around talking to ourselves nonstop most of the time, but often that background chatter is below the surface of our constant, of our, of our um, conscious awareness. I'm, I'm curious, I mean, the, the, the background chatter that I'm experiencing is kind of like, it may be just narrating what I'm seeing, or just like, um, uh, you know, it's like what I'm doing, or or maybe telling stories about what I'm seeing, or you know that kind of thing. Is that the kind of back kind of thought it was? Yes, there's other. Uh, almost all of it has includes me. Yeah, yeah. It's basically <laughs> the it's basically the story of me that's just going nonstop. <laughs> Tend to take me away for a bit. 
Well, it sounds like you actually were aware of kind of them in the background. I was. Yeah. But every once in a while, I... Yeah, every once in a while, one gets, one gets kind of popped, pops, yeah. So it's, it's not that you're unaware, it's just that every now and then one of those thoughts kind of gets latched onto, perhaps, or, you know, like, yeah, um, gets made something of, or made meaning of, or something like that. So first of all is to just to just say that uh, this kind of background chatter that you're seeing, um, partly you're seeing it because there's a little more continuity. So that's good news. And in terms of um, you know how to work with it, I think just being aware that it's there, you know, it, it, putting your attention on it. You know, it's, again, we're not we're, that we're not really necessarily directing attention to things here. So, like, oh, that's that's apparent in the in the field, that background chatter. And again, we're we're in a place where, as the mindfulness gets more continuous, it's able to know more experiences at the same time. And so, we don't need to like narrow our attention and look at the background chatter. Just know, oh, that background chatter is there, and there's seeing, and there's, you know, uh, hearing, and there's this project, and there's so the the mindfulness can hold more. And it also sounds like you had a little bit of awareness when there was a little bit of a hook in one of those thoughts. So did you? Did yes. you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that happens, yes. <laughs> yeah. So what I would say with it, basically, is to leave it as background and just know that it's there. <laughs> it's a process. It's a process in the mind. And, and, you know, you can recognize it's the story of me. Not much to do with it. You're not going to be able to flip a switch and turn it off. That would be uh, trying to do that would would be pretty frustrating. So there would be some reactivity. Was there some reactivity to this seeing this stream of thought, or you know, in another time it would have been, but I was in a very positive mood. Okay, so it's just like wow. Yeah, it's great. Who's like you know talking to me? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible, you know, what the mind does. Uh, I remember Gil one time saying, if somebody were actually standing next to me, speaking the thoughts that are just like nonstop churning through my head, I would think they were crazy. <laughs> and, you know, that's what it is. It's just this, this mind that's doing its thing. It's exposing how the mind is working. And, you know, as, as we keep practicing, that is exposed. It's, it is understood as agitating to some level. And over time, the wisdom begins to find ways to release it. But it's not, it's, it's something wisdom has to deal with. And it's only the, you know, ha- being with it without reactivity. Again, I, I, I wouldn't suggest, it sounds like you actually recognized that when you tried to turn to look at it, it's like it got confusing, it wasn't really helpful. So yeah, pay attention to what's helpful and what's not helpful. That's not so helpful. Um, I mean, basically the instruction is to be aware and um, the encouragement to sit and walk will support that. There are times perhaps when, you know, you, you might, you know, 
You're going to have to fulfill your bodily functions, so continue practicing awareness while doing that. I mean, sometimes Sayadaw at Utejaniya, um, you know, oh, here's something I've never actually said in the hall. Uh, for the walking meditation, um, I, I, um, you're welcome to do back and forth walking if you wish, but it's not necessary. And um, Sayadaw Utejaniya actually discourages it. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll come up to you if you're doing back and forth walking and uh, say something like, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just take a walk and be aware. And in fact, um, um, somebody asked Saito Utejani in one of my intergu- interview groups, well, how do you practice walking meditation? And he said, I don't practice walking meditation. I practice awareness while walking. That's what we're doing. We're practicing awareness in everything. You know that section of the Satipatthana Sutta that uh, talks about um, clear comprehension, daily activities? It's like one practices clear comprehension, full awareness while coming and going, while walking, while standing, while sitting, while urinating, while defecating, while eating, while talking, remaining silent. It's like one remains aware while doing everything. And so, you know, there's no particular limits on what we do, but I want to discourage you from picking up your phones. And trying to do mindful internet browsing. (laughs) Oh yes, I practice awareness while browsing the internet. Do that one at home. You know, play with that one at home. I would really, because it is a mindfulness sink. (laughs) So, you know, I would discourage you from that. Um, um, I'm not recalling what I used to give instructions about, so I'm I'm a little mystified what you think I said in the past and what I'm not saying today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. I worked, I, I yeah. in the kitchen um, uh, during some of the meals. Today I wrote a poem. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're, you're welcome to, you know, see what's arising and be present for it. So writing a poem and being present for that. Um, you know, I think for this retreat, because... Nearly all of the residents are in silence, sitting the retreat. There's not so much opportunity for participating in gardening projects because that takes a resident to direct the uh, you to do that. So that's not so available this retreat. And um, you know that that this retreat, there's kind of been this decide to simplify. We're not working, worrying about getting so much done here so that the residents can really land here. So the, the, the gardening projects are not happening so much. Um, I think the kitchen's pretty well taken care of. Is the kitchen well taken? Yeah, so I think we're good. So if you're noticing boredom and wanting to have projects, it sounds like there may be a little of that because you made a project while you were walking. Uh, yes, so that's what I'd like you to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so notice that notice the restlessness. I'd encourage you to to take some time to hang out with the restlessness and see where it springs from, because that's so. So yeah, you were you were avoiding that. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it is so uh, seductive. Um, um, 
we are, I mean, that is our, we are uh, practicing to do our best in that realm, understanding that it will not be happening, um, probably for a while. So the, the, um, first of all, to just, to just normalize that um, while we, you know, keep that effort going, keep that gentle effort going, curiosity, exploring ways to see where we get lost, um, the other side of it is that we have to also be really at ease that the mind is not going to be continuous. In fact, if we're you know, wanting that continuity or reverse when the mindful mind is not continuous, if we're reacting when we come back, that actually gets in the way of the, of the cultivation of continuity. And so the key piece I'd, I'd look at is like if you're aware, if you are noticing that you're wanting to be continuous, it's kind of like my wanting to have that insight. You know, it's like there's that wanting happening and, and it's, you're already aware when that wanting is happening. And so, in some funny way, you know, the, the awareness is present and there's this extra thing about wanting something more that you think is not there, but the awareness is there in that moment. So it's kind of a funny wanting in a way. And so just, just noticing the wanting you know, this is really the, the practice. So you're, you're aware and you see this wish or this urge for wanting to be continuous. What is that urge? How does it feel? How do you know it? Often I feel, I feel wantings by, you know, kind of a pulling in the body or something. So, you know, just how do you experience the wanting? How do you, how do you know it's there? And just watching it, you may start to see, you know, again, there's some idea in there, probably some idea of what the continuity will do for you or something like that. So just, just notice. And this is just to, to normalize it. This is really, really, um, I think pretty much everyone has this kind of thing, you know, wanting uh, the practice to go well. And we, uh, we all have to work with that, that wanting. Is there something more specific about the wanting that you're struggling with? It's just, it's very subtle for me. And it's like, I can kind of feel it and kind of sense it's kind of, it, it, it permeates a lot of my, I think, experience. And I'm catching it a little bit here and there, but it's just, I can feel like a little bit of, of, of like the effort. And mm. Uh, okay, so it sounds like it's it's really an attitude that's kind of more in the background as opposed to something that's coming up in in little spurts. So in that kind of a of a of a situation, it can be helpful to just kind of keep, ha- keep the wider um, wider mindfulness and just kind of know, yeah, that 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 wish feels more like a wish at this point, you know, rather than a want, but just more like, no. Oh. So it, it's kind of that wish, keeping that, keeping that wish in the field of what we know is happening in the present moment. But not, I wouldn't, it, it, with this kind of a thing, it's like, it sounds pretty nebulous. It's not like really specific, not, not that you can say, oh, that's what that wanting is. Um, and so just know that it's, it's there and, and be aware of how it kind of impacts the rest of your experience. It's kind of like, I talked about the filters on, you know, looking through filters, and sometimes we can really clearly recognize, oh, looking through that filter, and it's, it's like, you know, and, it, and it's like we're, we take that filter off and we're looking at it instead of through it. But sometimes what happens is that we just become aware, oh, there's that filter and I'm looking through it. There's this kind of background filter of wanting something. And, and I know it's there, but it's not like I can really see it yet. 
but just knowing that it's there. So it's, it's, the, it's kind of a broader awareness, just acknowledging that it's there. Patience. I encourage patience with that. Yeah. In some ways, you know, since it sounds like it's subtle, um, you know, don't give it more, uh, mm, It's almost like sometimes with with subtle kinds of things, it's like if we turn our attention to them, it's like we're giving them more importance in some way. It's like we're making them more. And so it's just like, okay, yeah, there's this subtle wanting in the background. I can kind of feel it, but don't give it more um, uh, juice by kind of focusing on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, one way to explore this or, or think about this is that thoughts, you know, thoughts are, are pretty powerful. Um, when some thought arises of some situation in the past, for example, you know, where there's been perhaps a charge, you know, that arising of that thought, you know, before that, before that thought arose, you know, your whole, si- your whole, situation, your whole experience was one way. And then with, with that arising of that thought, the thought itself kind of brings along, it's like the, the mind creates that, that idea and like the reactivity or the responses that are related to that are created all over again in the present moment. And so one way to think about this is, okay, a thought has arisen letting go of the content of the thought, letting go of the ideas. But how has that thought impacted the experience? And very often, it's not like you're trying to hold on to the emotions, but very often, even after you've kind of set aside the content, there will still be lingering emotions. And so it's, it's not so much that you need to direct your attention there, but that if you've noticed the thought, it's like, okay, there's the thought, and how has that thought impacted my experience? And very often it will be with an emotion if it's a charged thought. You know, sometimes thoughts are not terribly charged and, and they don't leave much of a, an emotional trace, but, but some thoughts do. And so that, that exploration of what's the impact of a thought and it may last for a few seconds or a few minutes. And sometimes, you know, the thought will kind of keep popping back in. And it's almost like with that thought popping back in, you get another little hit of the emotion. And so you just keep, you can just keep watching that. And that also you can see the relationship between mind and body and emotion there. You see that the thought comes in and there's a, whew, it's like you get another little burst of the, the experience that's related to that. And then you're present with that for a while and you see the conditions of what it means for to be mindful and how that thing can, that reactivity can dissipate and then you might notice the little burst of the thought again and so you're seeing the connections. And again, this is, you know, seeing the conditionality is an important part there to see how things relate. So um, it's, it's just about checking in, what's the impact? Um, Do you have a sense of exploring or knowing emotion in the body? Is that familiar to you? Okay, so that... Yeah, I think it was a... I feel like in bringing attention to it, 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 it highlights it, it makes it clear, but I think that was attention of between it's not that I want to, probably if I didn't bring attention to it, maybe it would just go away along with the thought. Uh-huh. And that by bringing attention to it, I, I feel like there is some understanding and clarity and just wondering about, okay, I brought attention to it. Okay, then 
what next? Or yeah, it it does highlight it, but I think partly what it's highlighting is this relationship, and it's helpful that that relationship is highlighted. Um, and again, you know, there's a difference, I- and and we we each find our own way with this, but um, there's a difference between okay, noticing thought arising and knowing that, and then consciously recognizing, um, okay, thoughts right now are hard, I need to set aside the content. You know, at certain points of practice, we actually take that action. We set it aside and uh, open to body and emotional tone. Um, um, But it's not necessarily we have to then say, oh, that created anger, let me look at the anger. Let me put that anger under a microscope and and really get to know it. It's more, again, the broader sense of, oh, well, what, how is that impacted? So the, the and, and, and not like focusing in, but just like, okay, yeah, here in this mind and body right now is this kind of mess of, of reactivity and I feel an emotion and I, I feel the kind of rush through the body. So there's, there's, there's both ways are, can be useful. And I've done a lot of the, oh, there's an emotion, let me look at that. You know, it's kind of like I dive into it and just really like, what is it and where is it? That's, and I've, I've learned a lot that way. And I've also seen sometimes that that um, has a little greed to it <laughs> in some ways, or it it, uh, it has a little bit of um, uh, pulling apart, or it, sometimes an aversion of like, if I look at this really carefully, then it will go away. So I'm not saying that that's something that you should avoid, but just be aware that there's different different ways to meet those the the experience of emotion it can be kind of more broad and settled back kind of in a big container as opposed to the the focus um, i was reading the book and um, it also said something about you should never sit with or you should never maybe look at pain until try to be with pain until you've been with the reactivity to it. And that's just kind of blowing my mind and in the sense of and having to look at my sitting practice because walking is great, but sitting is like, I feel like there's 30 years of habit to undo there perhaps. And I wondered if you could comment a little on, on that. On that, And then I yeah. have a second question just generally about okay. maybe shorter sittings or something. So the um, the statement of um, so there's pain in the body and reactivity to it, and Sayadaw says um, you shouldn't put your attention on the pain directly while there's reactivity to it, um, but you should pay attention to the reactivity instead. So his his um, thinking about that is you know, when there is pain and reactivity to pain, if you, I mean, what he's saying basically is you, 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 you focus on the pain, right? You're, you're, you're ignoring everything else and focusing on the pain. If you're doing that while there's reactivity, then probably the reactivity is being cultivated in some way. So you're, you're, encouraging that reactivity by putting the attention. And and I've done this actually at some point, you know, I had this capacity, and you may too, you know, um, where I, I there was pain and there was aversion to it, and some part of my mind knew if I dive in, get really close, then I'm not going to like be feeling that aversion and that pain will like break into little bits and it'll be okay. And, and so the motivation for doing that was aversion. And so at some point I recognized that that was cultivating aversion. It, 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 it 
had other benefits of seeing how the pain is little bits and there was some wisdom that came from that and yet you know the the motivation the underlying motivation was wanting to get rid of it so um basically with this broader approach you know not narrowing the uh, the attention or narrowing the focus what i think that what saido is saying is like hey there's pain and there is aversion to it and rather than i mean it's not that you want to ig- avoid or ignore I think one of the mistakes of thinking here is like, oh, there's pain and there's aversion. I can't pay attention to the pain. I have to only pay attention to the aversion. Or I have to only pay attention to the reaction to it. And it's like hard to do that. So the way I look at it is like, there's pain and there's reactivity. It's like, oh yeah, there's pain and there's reactivity happening together. And, and keeping both of those in, in mind to know, yeah, there's pain and reactivity. There's a pain and aversion. That to me is like the, the whole picture of it. So it's not that, um, it's not that I'm trying to not, to, to avoid looking at the pain, but I'm keeping in mind knowing that the reactivity is there at the same time. So it's like aware that they're both happening. And then there may be a relationship to the whole thing, of uh, frustration or confusion or whatever you know that so so you checking the attitude again about that but the the um i think the main piece is that if you are um experiencing some kind of reactivity and just zeroing in on the pain, it'll probably be in some way reinforcing the reactivity. So does that clear that up a little bit? It seems to say you shouldn't train yourself to ignore pain either. Like you shouldn't... Yes. There's pain, but you can... Like I've learned to be with that. You know, but, but he seems to be saying that that's not a good thing because you're cultivating the reactivity no matter what. Yes. Yeah. And so that even if I can attend to everything else kind of ignore the pain well if you're ignoring the pain out of reactivity that that's that's what to check into i mean sometimes you can ignore pain and just i mean like like the um you know what i've seen i described this example of of experiencing pain and going into spacing out yesterday and that spacing out was a, a form of ignoring and pushing away but what I also learned as I watched that was that there was a way, because when I was in the spaced out, the pain wasn't so bothersome. You know, so it was like, oh, actually, you know, the reactivity is exacerbating the pain. And when I'm just like hanging out without reactivity, you know, it's not a problem. I'm not, I'm neither focusing on it nor pushing it away. It's just a sensation of discomfort in the field that's not gravitating or drawing the attention or tr- being tried to at be out of the field of attention. So that's, that's um, you know, I would say that if you're consciously, you know, not trying to go there, yeah, that's, that's a kind of an aversion too. But there can be this, there can be this place of, yeah, of like, it's not so much that you're ignoring it, but it's just like, yeah, it's just there. It's just like a little, it's just a, a, a discomfort feeling, but it's not like drawing the attention or creating any reactivity. That's not so much a problem. I think what I'm actually doing is, is experiencing the pain, but ignoring the reactivity. Oh, okay. That, then that's important. Yeah, yeah. Which seems like a problem. Just, just one quick question. If I notice that, like I've been noticing throughout the retreat that during the sitting meditation, I'm after 15 to 20 minutes, I'm either locked up, averse, or frozen, kind of spaced out. And so I'm curious whether, now that we're on a different schedule, whether like, going to my room so I don't disturb people and doing like short little sits so I can kind of try to inter- try to have moments of awareness that would intervene I would, I would, I would encourage you, you know, doing shorter sits is fine. You don't even have to go to your room. You know, the schedule here is open in the hall. You can sit and then leave after 15 minutes. That's fine. Um, What I would encourage is an exploration of 
where and how the mind gets locked up. Sure. You know, so, and, and, and if you find that that happens after about 15 minutes, you know, it's like, let your, when you sit down, it's like, okay, I'm going to sit for 15 minutes, but I'm going to be curious about how that might start to happen. And it may happen kind of quickly at some point, you know, and, and you know, if, if you find that you don't really see it put together, you might at that point think, okay, it's locked up. And then not out of aversion, this is a, this is a little bit of a, uh, it can almost be just a, a conscious reflection because there probably will be aversion and that you'd want to be getting up and not sitting in that. But there's also some wisdom in that. And so it's kind of like consciously re- reflecting, okay, yep, mind is locked up here, not so able to be very present, so let's change the posture. Let's go do some walking and, and see if this can unlock. And so it's kind of consciously put connecting yourself to a wholesome intention as you shift posture. Um, so I would encourage the shorter sits, but but not just to avoid, but to yeah, and and be able to like look at how it comes together. You know what's going on there. Yes, exactly. And so that's not so useful to get to. And so if you can kind of see, you know, you're heading there. You know what's going on curiosity about that and there, there's probably some things to to learn and understand there and then you know at some point when it feels like it's starting to head you could use it you know it's like okay it's it's I know it's before it's heading into full lockdown but you know let's not just not go there <laughs> and, and so get up a little before that happens but also give yourself the opportunity to begin to see it and what's going on there? You know, what, what, uh, what, what are the beliefs in the mind about the practice? And it's, it, it sounds like it's related somehow, beliefs about the practice itself. So, you know, what's, what's going on there? So, oh, it's probably time to stop. So let's just sit for a moment. <laughs> 